Hey folks, Andy Patton here. Gonzaga's game against USF is unfortunately canceled. Saturday's game against Pepperdine is still very much up in the air, but at least Dominic Harris is cashing threes without a boot on. We're going to discuss all of that and more all right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. I also want to thank all of you who have made it your New Year's resolution to continue to make this show your first listen of the day. Many of you reach out to me and let me know that you listen to the show when you're on hikes or out going on a run or taking a walk or whatever it is. I always appreciate knowing when and how you all are listening. It helps motivate me sometimes to to get a show out knowing that, hey, so-and-so might not go on their run today if they don't have a new show. So I really appreciate hearing all of your stories of how you listen to the show, when you listen to the show, and of course, those of you who not only listen to the show, but watch the show as well. If you have not gone to YouTube yet and joined the Locked on Zags YouTube Brigade, Go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, hit that subscribe button, trying to get up over 250 subscribers. We are very close, very, very close. I know we can get there before the end of the week. Unfortunately, we can probably get there before the next time Gonzaga plays a basketball game, which is in part because, of course, as many of you have probably already heard, Gonzaga is not going to play against the University of San Francisco on Thursday, their third consecutive game All three of their first WCC games have now been canceled because of COVID-19, specifically because of a COVID health situation with Gonzaga. I'm just going to open up and say this right now. I do not have any additional information about the COVID-19 outbreak that has happened with Gonzaga. I do not know how many players have tested positive. I don't know how many players are symptomatic, if any. I don't know what variant any of them have. I don't know if we're on the verge of it being over. Obviously, the extent of what I know is that Gonzaga determined today, as I'm recording this on Monday evening, that they are unable to play their game on Thursday. Likely, that means that 8 to 10 players on the team have tested positive and remain positive. That's not a great sign. It doesn't mean that, again, we we don't know the exact health necessarily of all of these players. The Generally, with the Omicron variant, at least, players have been or people have been less symptomatic. Obviously, vaccines have had a huge part to play in that as well. Gonzaga has reported to be very, very, very well vaccinated as a team. So hopefully most of these guys are not symptomatic. The only kind of glimpse we've gotten, and we're probably reading too far into this, was a tweet by Nolan Hickman, or excuse me, an Instagram post by Nolan Hickman who said, COVID is killing your boy. He could have been referring to having it himself, to feeling sick. He could have been referring to being upset that Gonzaga is not playing any games. He could have been referring to something entirely different related to COVID. It's not not clear. He did not make it clear, probably intentionally. So not necessarily something that we're probably going to know. I don't know why these players would self-identify and come forward and talk all about it. Some of them may, and that's great. I would be stunned if Mark Few says anything more than what he absolutely has to say regarding this situation. So it's probably one of those kind of mysteries that may not get ultimately resolved. 
right now we're in a situation where the WCC has basically just lost they not basically they did lose an entire week of basketball for the men's side nobody played a conference game last week nobody 0 for 7 or 0 for 6 excuse me on games last week now we know the biggest game that was scheduled for this week on Thursday is not going to happen hopefully many of the other games will end up happening and we won't get too far behind the sticks with regards to conference play in the WCC but what we know for sure, at least for USF, the San Francisco Dons, two of their biggest conference games, they're supposed to play St. Mary's in week one, they're supposed to play Gonzaga in week two. Neither of those games are happening. This is a critical situation for the Dons. Obviously, it's not good for Gonzaga either. You want to play as many games as possible. They're going to have to cram some games in. We'll talk about that in a second. But for the Dons, they have at-large aspirations. This has been talked about ad nauseum on this show. It's been talked about by multiple other media outlets, by other national reporters. University of San Francisco Dons are good. They are a good basketball team. They have been playing great this year. Their only loss was to a tough Grand Canyon squad. They came back the next day, beat Arizona State. They have wins over Nevada, wins over Davidson. This is a good team, but it's really hard to be an at-large team in the WCC if you lose to Gonzaga. Most teams historically have lost to Gonzaga. We've seen St. Mary's and BYU have their tournament hopes dashed when they lost to Gonzaga end up in Las Vegas in the WCC tournament. They would have made it. They might have made it. They didn't make it. San Francisco has does not have a recent history of making the NCAA tournament. It's going to be really, really hard for them to secure an at-large bid, especially if they now have to cram all of their toughest games, both their games against Gonzaga, both their games against Sam, excuse me, St. Mary's, both their games against BYU. If they have to cram all of that into a short period of time, that's going to make it a lot more difficult. They had these two games that were kind of spread out earlier in the in the conference slate. Now they're going to kind of have to pack them all in at the same time. I feel bad for the Dons. This is tough. They got to, I mean, they got to really earn it now. If they play those six tough games all in a short period of time and win four of them, win five of them, then then there's, in my mind, pretty much no doubt that this is a tournament team. But that's it's just a tougher road for them now than it was before. Obviously, there are far, far more ramifications of COVID-19 at large and even COVID-19 specifically re- related to college basketball than the University of San Francisco Don's plight uh, in terms of making the NCAA tournament. But it is a bummer. I've been rooting for them all season long. I have not made that I've not hidden that. I don't want them to beat Gonzaga. Obviously, I never, ever want Gonzaga to lose. But I have said that I would trade a loss to USF uh, during the regular season if it meant that the Dons would be the fourth team to make the NCAA tournament alongside St. Mary's and BYU. Right now, with none of these teams playing, it's just a lot harder to envision how that's going to shake out. There's been some reports, I believe it was Rocco Miller on Twitter, who said that the league is looking to add Monday and Tuesday games and that the norm for the rest of the season might be just to play three games a week, <laughs> that's probably going to be the situation that that uh, comes together for a lot of January and most, if not all, of February, depending on how long some of these outbreaks continue to, to happen. If we lose more games on Thursday of this week, if we lose games on Saturday of this week, then there's really not a lot of choices. We're going to have to have a lot of three week or three games per week situations going forward. Now, three games per week is obviously doable. Gonzaga's done it multiple times. They've done it this season. It's not. It's far from crazy, but having to do it on a week-to-week basis is tough. It's a tough thing to ask, and obviously for the WCC, it's just kind of a reality. Every team's going to be facing it. It's not like Gonzaga's going to be at more of a disadvantage than any other school in the conference. 
there's likely, not likely, there's almost certainly going to be these scenarios happening at other conferences around uh, the NCAA landscape as well. Certainly the Pac-12's lost a lot of games, uh, the ACC's lost games, all of the conferences have lost games. That's just, it's, it's been a reality. The WCC was hit a little bit harder than everybody else. They did not play a single game last week. I don't think there was any other conference that had that exact situation, but clearly this is something that, unless the rules change, which as I stated in a previous episode, that I don't think that the NCAA is going to mandate any kind of rules. I think we're going to see conferences have to kind of dictate this on their own. But as we see that happen, hopefully, and as teams start to get more, uh, for lack of a better term, herd immunity, it's not confirmed that getting the variant or getting COVID or any of the variants necessarily means you won't test positive again. But the likelihood of eight to 10 players on this Gonzaga team all testing positive again in March is very very, very unlikely, which is a great sign for their perceived health going into March, assuming none of these players are obviously impacted by the virus currently, which is, again, something that we don't know. But if that's the case, there's a good chance that they'll be healthy in March. There's a good chance a lot of the rest of these teams will be healthy in March. But we got to get there. We still There's still a long ways to go to get there, and we can't just play a few more games and call it good. We're going to have to find a way to cram all these games in. And I don't envy the people who have to make those decisions. I understand why the NCAA is shirking responsibility and kind of letting the conferences dictate this because it's a little bit easier for them to do and the conferences have a little bit better say in what they want each of their teams to do. It does make it a little bit more even if the conference is dictating the rules so every team is kind of faced with the same rules, I suppose. But but this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the rest of the season. We're going to have a lot of three games per week situations. Might be kind of fun for us as fans to watch more Gonzaga basketball every week. Certainly if they're playing three games per week, it's a little bit easier for me to come up with content. But that's far from a, a, a real positive thing, especially after missing two weeks of action. The biggest thing we can hope for, of course, is that Gonzaga's players are healthy that they do recover from this for any of them who are symptomatic. Uh, Not just Gonzaga players, obviously. Every player in the the WCC, every college basketball player who's inflicted with COVID-19, I hope that they are not symptomatic and the ones that are will recover in a short amount of time. But for Gonzaga, obviously... We, we got to think that this is coming to a close. Obviously, it's still got at least a couple more days if they're not going to play on Thursday. No word yet on the game on Saturday against Pepperdine. Ideally, hopefully, that is a game that the Gonzaga will be able to play. Uh, we talked at length in a recent episode about long breaks and what it could mean for Gonzaga. I didn't really address this in that break, but obviously long breaks when players have been sick is a different situation. It's a little bit harder to get your legs underneath you if you've been completely if you've been sick, if you've been ill, if you're not feeling well. So again, we don't know. We may never know how many players are actually not feeling well. But if many of Gonzaga's players are legitimately sick, that is something to watch out for on Saturday when they all try to take the court uh, and play for the first time in a really long time. All right. Much, much happier news to discuss in the second segment. We're going to discuss the video posted on Twitter by Dominic Harris showing him shooting threes without a boot on his foot. What does it mean for his potential return? All of that covered in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about GetUpside. Hey Zags fans, Andy Patton here with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about called GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. 
Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 per month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. Folks, BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball seasons and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, switching away from talking about the COVID cancellations that have impacted the entire WCC for the first two weeks of the conference season. Instead, talking much, much more positive news about Gonzaga guard Dominic Harris. Not only is today, as I'm recording this on Monday evening, today is Dominic Harris's 21st birthday, so a happy birthday shout out to Dom. That's always exciting. The day started with Julian Strother posting a pretty funny picture of Dom from when he was a kid. I got posted on Instagram. It was all over social media if you have not seen it. But then Dom made an even happier post on social media for his birthday as it was a video of him standing in the corner in the kennel bombing threes. He took 25 threes in this minute and thir- minute and 42 second video. He knocked down 21 of them. Not that we doubted his ability to shoot the three, but the most important part of this video, there's no boot on his foot. It's been known to be off for roughly three weeks, according to a tweet from Jim Meehan of the Spokesman Review. So Dom has been without a boot for three weeks. He's obviously been out for the entire season. He had plantar fasciitis in his foot, went down Right around craziness in the kennel has been out, obviously, all season. There was some hope based on what we had heard about the injury that it would be closer to a six to ten week timeline, which in theory would have brought him back into action around now, (laughs) around the end of December, early January. That was probably an optimistic timeline. Clearly, he's not ready to return to game action just yet, but he doesn't have the boot on. He looked fine. We didn't see him running. We didn't see him cutting. Those are the things in particular that you would want to see from an athlete before you felt comfortable putting them back on the court. But the fact that he's standing on the basketball court, the fact that he's shooting threes, the fact that he appeared to be in good spirits, the fact that he was knocking them down at an elite clip, pretty nice, pretty important, pretty critical things to see. Again, still no timetable for his return. Nobody has posted about it, obviously without any media availability because there are no games happening. We don't know when we will next have an opportunity to speak to Coach Few uh, to get maybe some clarity on this situation. What I can tell you from doing some little sleuthing on the internet is that Dominic Harris's father, Sean Harris, who is on Twitter at 357Kappa19, he tweeted, The Ides of March is approaching. Anything is possible when you work your tail off in rehab. I don't know if that means that March is an implied return, whether it was just a, an exciting tweet that he posted out there. I don't know exactly. Uh, 
how far we should read into that necessarily. I, I rarely try to read too far into uh, cryptic, intentionally cryptic tweets because they're, they're cryptic for a reason. But obviously there's reason for excitement here. And for those of you who maybe don't remember a lot about Dominic Harris or are new fans this year and don't know much about him at all, he adds a lot to this team, specifically in areas that they need. I don't know what the situation is going to look like in terms of playing time when he comes back. I think it's safe to assume that he gets eased back into action. His first game this season is not going to be 20 plus minutes per night. I can almost guarantee you that. I'm not sure he plays a single game this season over 20 minutes per night, in part because of he's coming off a pretty serious foot injury and we're already a good chunk of the way into the season, and in part because Gonzaga's they have four guards already. They have a lot of guys. I don't think that Dom is necessarily behind all of them on the depth chart, but there's not really any reason to push him a significant amount of minutes per game, barring, of course, injuries or illness or anything else that might take some of these guys out of future games. Of course, if that happens and Dom is healthy, it would be great to see him get some significant run. The biggest skill set that Dom brings to this team that is necessary is, of course, that outside shooting. Dom was lauded as a great three-point shooter in high school. It was a tremendous skill that he had. He played in high school with Evan Mobley, of course, the potential rookie of the year for the Cleveland Cavs. So he had a ton of pedigree, obviously a guy who's been committed to Gonzaga since he was a sophomore in high school, helped get Julian Strother and Jalen Suggs and de facto Chet Holmgren to come to Gonzaga. So has been one of their biggest recruiters, biggest cheerleaders for years. Didn't play much last year, similar to Strother. He was just not a part of the rotation. He was behind Suggs and Nemhard and Joel Iyayi and Corey Kispert and all of those really talented guards that were on that roster last year. Aaron Cook, didn't want to forget about him. So he didn't carve out a playing time last year. This year was expected that he was going to be a part of the, the rotation. I don't know exactly where he would have slotted in. Some people think he would have started. Some people think he would have been a key cog off the bench. Obviously, Gonzaga has four guards in Nemhard, Bolton, Salas, and Hickman. So Harris would have been would have made five, them have five guards. I don't want to say he'd be the fifth guard because I don't know where he would have been. But now, because of this, it's probably safe to assume he's not going to completely cut out anybody else's playing time. I have a hard time imagining Mark Few just straight up benching Hunter Salas or Nolan Hickman. That would be very startling. I think all of those guys are going to play. I think Dom's just going to take some of those minutes away from everybody while he kind of gets gets his feet under him, for lack of a better term, gets more comfortable playing back at the speed of a college basketball game. Again, I don't know how close he is to that. Shooting threes stationary in a corner without a boot on is a good step. It is a positive step. It is still a long ways away from playing Division I high-level collegiate basketball. It's a long ways away from that. It doesn't mean that he's not closer than we think. It doesn't mean that he wasn't also doing some other stuff on the side that is indicating that he's a little closer, but I don't know. And we're not going to get an answer on this until we talk to Mark Few, which is at right now the earliest is Saturday, and there's a pretty good chance he doesn't give us anything concrete either, which is totally understandable. I wouldn't want to necessarily divulge all of that information either, and it could change as the season goes on and as his as he continues to heal from his injury, things he could have setbacks, he could have he could return sooner, who knows exactly. It'll be interesting to see how they how they figure out a way to work him back into the lineup once he is healthy. 
His outside shooting is a huge boost to a team that has struggled to shoot consistently from outside, particularly among their guards. We know that Rasir Bolton has shot it really well. We know that Andrew Nampart has not. We know that Hunter Salas is not a great outside shooter at this point. Nolan Hickman has been fairly inconsistent. Julian Strother, good, but has also shown some inconsistencies as well. Having a guy like Harris who can probably knock him down at a 40% clip really just adds another aspect to Gonzaga's offense. It forces defenses to to play Gonzaga a little bit differently when he's on the floor. We also know that he's a good, good, good perimeter defensive player. There was rumblings that the staff believed he was the team's best perimeter defensive player last season, would have been their best perimeter defensive player this season. On a team with Hunter Salas, who's played extraordinary defensively, on a team with, you know, Nembhard has played better defensively. Julian Strother looks like a quality defensive player. Of course, you have your big men in Anton Watson and Chet Holmgren, who are great. Adding a guy like Dom, who can play a plus-plus perimeter defense and shoot the rock well is just there's no there's no downsides there's no negatives to this somebody's going to lose some playing time or multiple somebody's are going to lose some playing time and that's always difficult to have that happen to you in the middle of a season but the zags are going to get better as soon as he steps on the court i wish i could tell you when it's going to be but hopefully it's coming in the month of february at least in the month of march and we're going to have a, a better roster heading into the the big dance All right, third segment is going to be kind of an assortment of news and notes uh, about the Zags as we prepare for another work week without Gonzaga hoops. Before we get there, though, let's talk about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company all in one convenient location. NetSuite lets you automate your processes and close your books in no time while keeping you ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for special financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash NCAA. All right, segment three. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. We're going to kind of just talk about some some various news and notes, stuff that probably didn't merit an entire segment necessarily, but stuff that I did want to cover uh, that happened in this past week. Number one, we got to talk a few Zags in the NBA that I want to discuss. First up, of course, the news that many of you saw on Twitter. Killian Tilly signed a two-year, $4 million deal to remain with the Memphis Grizzlies. Prior to this, he was on a two-way contract which meant that he was playing part of his time in the NBA and part of his time in the G League. It was still a guaranteed contract, which was super nice, but it was, did not offer a lot of guarantees in it necessarily. He, could have, he was more likely to get cut. He was getting paid less money, and he had to spend part of his time in the G League. Now, because he's been playing so consistently in the NBA, he's been getting much more minutes. It made sense for Memphis to figure out a way to lock him in, not just for this year, but for next year as well. For Tilly, of course, a player who was on a contract that was pretty easy to get out of and has had so many injury issues. I cannot, genuinely cannot imagine the relief 
and just the the feeling of peace <laughs> being able to sign a contract like that. Obviously, $4 million is a massive amount of money. It's you know changes your family forever when you have that kind of money and for a player who any kind of injury could have just could have ended it he's had he's been so injury prone in his collegiate career in his professional career up to this point so for him to be able to get a bag and secure this amount of money is just tremendous beyond that he's playing great he's playing really good basketball right now he's making a second career start tonight i don't have the results of that game as i'm speaking to you now but i can tell you over his last 12 games prior to tonight He has played 17 minutes per game, and he's shooting about 35% from three. That is fantastic. He's a significant rotation player. He is part of the plan day in and day out for Memphis. That is huge. To start the season, he was not that. Last year, when he was on a two-way contract and played for Memphis a fair amount, he was not that. He was never a part of the plan on a daily basis. Now he is. Every game, Killian Tilly is going to play. He was playing in the first quarter against Portland a few weeks ago. He is a part of the deal. And the reason he is, is it's, it's simple. He's six foot ten. He's a good shot blocker and rim protector, and he shoots 35% from three. If you can do those things, you're going to be an NBA player. It's, it's, it's really as simple as that. I know that it's not actually simple to be able to do those things, but he has proven time and time again that he can knock down an open three, that he's not afraid to body people in the paint, that he's gonna he can block shots at the rim, he can he can protect the rim, he can alter shots, he's a good on-ball defensive player. Like he's proven he can do it on both sides of the floor. I always, always, always believed Killian until he was an NBA player, but the health was always going to be the question mark. I'm, I, I'm not sure I can promise you that I believed he would be this good of a defensive player, especially in year two. That has been a tremendous testament to how hard he has worked on that end of the floor he was a good defensive player at Gonzaga but I don't know that I thought he would be a plus defensive player in the NBA and so far he has looked like a plus defensive player at that level to you tack that on you tack on the fact that he's probably going to shoot it a little better 34 percent in his last 12 games is up from where he was previously he was a 40 percent shooter at Gonzaga obviously the line is is farther back a little bit and it's harder to get open looks at the NBA level but It wouldn't surprise me if he eventually settled in as a 37-ish percent three-point shooter, which would be phenomenal. Memphis got themselves a steal. They were smart to lock him down. We've been critical of this Grizzlies team of how they've handled Brandon Clark for good reason, but they made the right decision with Killian Tilly, and hopefully he will continue to be a part of the plan for this team for the next couple of years. Next up, Kevin Pangos. Kevin Pangos has made three straight starts. He went from being a EuroLeague player, one of the greatest what-ifs, For Gonzaga fans of why didn't this guy get a chance to be in the NBA to now he's a starting point guard for a playoff caliber team in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Of course, the the reason that he has been a starter is because they are without Darius Garland, they're without Colin Sexton, they're without Ricky Rubio. In those three games, he played 25 minutes per game, which is pretty solid. He averaged just under six points per game and just under five assists per game, which is great. He's not shooting it well. He's shooting 10%. 10% from three. He's shooting barely over 30% from the field. He just, he hasn't looked very confident in his shot. He hasn't been very aggressive on offense. You can tell he's almost got as many assists as points, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it shows a player who's not really very willing to hunt out their own shot. Uh, again, he's only playing this, this many minutes because of all the injuries that this team has been dealing with. Cleveland also went out and immediately <laughs> traded for Ray John Rondo from the Los Angeles Lakers. Once Rondo's there, he's going to probably take over as the starting point guard until they get some of these guys back from injury. That likely ends 
Kevin Pangos' reign as the starting point guard for Cleveland, but he's still going to be a piece. He's still going to play significant minutes while the team is dealing with these injuries. So it'll be nice to see him get to play more. But I got to tell you, man, I'm pumped that he got to start games, that he is in the NBA in the first place. It's just a great story, and it continues to excite me to see him in a Cleveland uniform, to see him playing good minutes on a, on a good team in the NBA. Next up, Nolan Hickman was named the WCC Freshman of the Week last week. This was kind of just a humorous thing. There was only one game in the WCC. Uh, Of course, the Gonzagas win over North Alabama. Hickman had 13 points. Every other conference game got canceled last week. It's the only time that Chet Holmgren has not won the WCC Freshman of the Week. It was kind of a good opportunity to give it to somebody other than Chet because Nolan had a better statistical game than Chet Holmgren last week. They didn't have a lot of other options. <laughs> kind of just a funny thing. I don't know that it really matters. I don't know that Freshman of the Week awards in the conference are meaningful at all. I know last year there was a lot of jokes about it being the Jalen Suggs WCC Freshman of the Week. Now this year it's been the Chet Holmgren WCC Freshman of the Week, but not anymore. They switched things up. Again, it still went to a Gonzaga player, so I don't know how much you really can say that it was switched up. Perhaps Houston Maletti from Pepperdine will win one one of these days, and it won't go to a Gonzaga player. The, the, the opportunity for that to happen is likely if Gonzaga doesn't play any games in a single week and somebody from another team uh, has a really good week. But kind of fun to see somebody not named Chad Holmgren win it, even if it was uh, another Gonzaga player. And the last thing I want to talk about real quick, the AP poll came out on Monday, as it always does. Georgia was listed as one of the teams receiving votes, the 5-8 and eight Bulldogs of Georgia. The reason that that happened is because one of the AP poll voters picked Georgia instead of Gonzaga. That's it. That's the only reason that it happened. They just picked the wrong school. And people who are supposed to be auditing that process, I assume there are people who do that, didn't catch this. <laughs> And so Gonzaga was cost themselves a few votes in the AP poll, and Georgia was one of the teams that received some votes. Really, my only main point here is that the AP poll is dumb and that focusing too much on where teams are ranked is somewhat silly. I know that in many cases it has been predictive. Obviously, last year, Baylor and Gonzaga were 1-2 and two pretty much the entire season, and lo and behold, they were the two teams that played in the national championship. That is not always the case. It is actually very infrequently the case. But AP poll is just... A large group of people who vote on it. So sometimes they're wrong and sometimes they make mistakes. And taking it too seriously is never something that I'm going to do. And using this one cherry picked example as a reason why is maybe a little bit silly as well. But ultimately, it's it's just a poll. It's just a rankings. They don't matter all that much. And Georgia should not be considered any better of a basketball team because they received some votes this week because clearly they were not votes that were intended for them in the first place. All right, that is going to do it for today. Join me tomorrow with a special guest to talk all about the WCC and their non-conference performance. One of two exciting guests that I have lined up for this week, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Finally, thank you again to those of you who made this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen to Locked On Bets podcast. Locked on Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!